Lord, you are here and we are here. May we be here together in love and truth and honor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, the attendance is low today because one of our dear parishioners put out the word that God did not like my sermon. Now, he's hiding up there. He said that because I got up to do a little work on my sermon and I turned on my computer and I had the black screen of death. I could not find my sermon anywhere and my sermon had not even caught up on my iPad. So I had to kind of begin again. Fortunately, I knew a little bit about what I was saying. So we're going to begin today with the parable that Jesus tells about the tax collector and the sinner. Now, the other problem I have is because my computer was not working, I could not print out my sermon. So I had to handwrite it. And I've discovered that after you've used a computer for a number of years, your handwriting gets really terrible, and I can hardly read what I put down here. So we'll struggle through this together. So anyway, we meet a tax collector and a sinner. Both were doing their covenant duty. They were both going to the temple to pray. Now, I have to tell you that in the temple, there were places where the insiders could go, and there were places not so nice that the outsiders could go. And what we have today is an insider the Pharisee, and an outsider, the tax collector. Now, remember that Luke is always interested in who? The outsider, the marginalized, the one who gets excluded. So he has something very definite he wants to tell us in this parable. So first of all, we're going to talk about this Pharisee. This Pharisee, probably the nicest thing that we could say about him is that he's self-righteous. But he goes in and he says, and remember, okay, we need to back up here a minute. The Pharisees were considered the good guys. By the general population, they were the good guys. If they were in a Western movie, they would have worn what color hats? White. They were the good guys. That was the expectation of all the people around because the Pharisees were well-educated. They knew the law. They did everything. Okay, so the Pharisee goes in. Oops, sorry. I think this is hitting my... So he goes in and he says, Oh, God, thank you that I'm not like these ordinary people. I am not like an adulterer or a thief or a rogue or even this tax collector over there. That's not a very humble prayer, in case you haven't noticed. So he says, he goes on to say, he's going to extol his virtues. I fast twice a week. That was more than required by the law. Not only do I fast twice a week, I tithe. On all my money. 
Now, it's not like God does not know these things. But the Pharisee has a need to explain to God why he's such a good person. And I expect that he's expecting a little pat on the back, you know, a little, well, good, my faithful servant. But that's not what we find happening. And then we have this tax collector, this humble man. Remember, he's wearing the black hat. He is not a good guy. He is not well-loved or respected in the community because he works for who? Rome. Yes, Rome has hired him to be a tax collector. So he has to go all to his friends and say, okay, George, pay up. You owe your taxes. Now, as a tax collector, George might owe 2000 but I could charge him 2500 because that was my way to make a living. So tax collectors were really hated. They were the black hat people. So this tax collector cannot even get in to the inside areas of the temple because he's not good enough. So he's standing quite a ways away, although probably in the line of vision of our Pharisee. And all he does is bow his head and say, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know who I am. I am an outcast. I am the black hat guy. Nobody likes me. Have mercy on me, Lord. And then Jesus says the unexpected. Well, that tax collector went out justified by God. And the Pharisee didn't. Now, that would have been shocking news. But you have to notice one thing here. The Pharisee asked God for nothing. All he did was tell God how wonderful he was. The tax collector, on the other hand, said, I'm a miserable sinner. I have nothing to offer you, God, but please have mercy on me. And interestingly enough, the Pharisee got nothing from God. He asked for nothing. The tax collector asked for mercy, and he got mercy. He went home justified. He went home made right with God. He recognized that he was in need and that only God could um, help him. He was alone. He, trust me, he didn't have a lot of friends. <clears throat> and he says, you know, I know I'm a sinner. Just pour out your mercy on me. And that's exactly what God did. <clears throat> so what are we to hear? We need to ask for mercy a lot more than we do. <laughs> You know, we might be in church every week, or we might be doing all the good things. And if you were here yesterday, there were people that were there and worked at food bank and then stayed and cooked dinner. Thank you, David. Um, They are guys who wear white hats. But they still need to ask for mercy and grace and peace. So many of us were here at food bank, not just them. There were a lot of us. So we learn that no matter who we are, we need to ask for God's mercy and grace in our lives. We need to be thankful for what we have 
And we don't want him to tell God about how good we are because he knows our hearts. So that's where we are on the, uh, the parable for today. Now, I am also going to talk today about the reading from Sirach, which if you go to look for it, you won't find it unless you look up, it up under Ecclesiastes. Oh, so um, Sirach was written by a man named Joe Ben Sirach, or whatever they would have called him, Joshua Ben Sirach. But anyway, that his, the name here is taken from his last name. It was written during sometime in the two centuries before the birth of Christ. And the framework of the book is very like Proverbs. It encourages people to have a fear of the Lord. And by fear, they don't mean you're afraid of the Lord, but that with great respect and humility, you approach the Lord. And so it came to be written along with the rest of the Apocrypha, uh, which is not canon in our scriptures. If you notice, um, Sue ended with, here ends the reading instead of the word of the Lord. Now, it is canon in the Catholic Church, and in some other churches, the Apocrypha is canon, but we did not canonize it in the Episcopal Church. It is in some Bibles, but not a lot. It's, it's always listed as the uncanonical un- writings. Why were these writings taking place? Well, there's a lot of interesting writings in, in the Apocrypha, uh, Maccabees and the rebellions and the revolts, but the story that is happening, the history that's happening, is that the Greeks are taking over. The Greek culture is spreading, and the Greek culture did not honor one god, But many, 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 many gods. There were all kinds of gods. The Greek culture was not terribly moral. There were a lot of immoral things happening in the culture. So Proverbs, Sirach, and a couple of the others in the Apocrypha are written to remind the Jewish people who are having to exist in this culture dynamic of the reality of the true God. Remember who you are in the midst of what's happening. So, our, our Syriac um, passage begins, the, begins this morning with the words, Give to the Most High as he has given to you, and as generously as you can afford. Okay. It sounds like what? Stewardship. And it is. Sue hangs out in the office too much. She gets all the news. <laughs> so I'm thinking, wow, that's a really good introduction to a stewardship sermon, right? Give to the Lord generously. Okay. For the Lord is the one who, it goes on. For the Lord is the one who repays, and he will repay you sevenfold. Now, I was talking to someone who's not here today, and she was telling me about an occasion when uh, she was somewhere, and she said, I really felt like God was telling me, give money to this person. And she was arguing with God, and uh, saying, and he was saying, give him the $5 or whatever it was. And so she did. 
And I can't remember what she said happened after that, but it hit me, and it's so true with this, that she was repaid. And I can't remember if it was just with the gratitude of the person that she gave to, but the reality is, is that Scripture promises us the more we give, the more we get back. In other words, we don't offer God a tip when we come in here to service and say, well, you know, job well done, God. We offer him generously out of our hearts. Now, why is this so important right now? Because we need money. Here we are on the end of 2022 almost, and we're going into 2023. And the vestry has a big job. They need to know what our resources are likely to be so that they can plan what church can do in the next year, what the church can support doing. So we are asking all of you to give as a tough year for a lot of people. And in spite of we're asking you to give as generously as you can. So stewardship offers us a chance, an opportunity to look at our, having trouble reading my writing there, at our priorities. What's really important in our life? Where find and receive the most? What what are our priorities? Is it doing this or giving to somebody or helping somebody? And sometimes we can do both. And that's fine. God does not begrudge us vacations or going out to dinner or doing any of those things. But he asks that we also give to his community and his church and he will and he will give back to us. Now We not only give our money, but we need your money, but we also give time and talent. Every person in this building, and those who didn't come today because they're so tired from the fun we had last night, (laughs) has a talent. They have time. They're able to do something. He's upstairs if you're looking for him. Um, There are people who read and who practice reading and share that skill. There are people who do the food bank and the tremendous amount of organization that needs to be done at the food bank just so the rest of us can come in and fill bags. You know, it doesn't happen. Those those. Boxes of food don't get there by themselves. So we offer also our time and our talent. There are people like David who helped cook last night. A talent. I have no idea how to cook for 50 people or 60 people or whatever. But he has that talent to be able to do that. And so we give our time and our talent. Alter Guild gives their time and talent to doing the things that need to be done in the church. And that makes us, as we join together, the really, truly body of Christ. The people that are doing what needs to be done to celebrate God's presence in our lives. So, stewardship is about all those things. And it's about our hearts. 
It's about the things that we do, the things that we're thankful for. And stewardship in the church says, we're all in this together. I'm giving, you're giving, we're all giving to make Good Shepherd a better place. And I'm asking you again, give generously. Give from your heart. Now, I found a little story, you know I'm big on stories, that I'm going to close this with. And this is the story of a $1 bill and a $50 bill. A torn and ragged $1 bill discovered it was about to be retired from circulation. As it slowly moved along the conveyor belt to the shredder, it became acquainted with and struck up a conversation with the $50 bill that was facing the same fate. The 50 began reminiscing about its travels all over the country. Life has been good, the 50 exclaimed. I've been to Las Vegas, the finest restaurants in New York, political fundraisers, and I just returned from a cruise on the Caribbean. Gee, said the $1 bill. You're fortunate to have been able to go and visit all those places. So the $50 bill asked, where have you been in your lifetime? The dollar said, well, I've been to the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Lutheran Church, the Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, the Assembly of God Church, the Brethren Church, the Quaker Church, the Pentecostal Church, and the Charismatic Church. Oh, and also the Mennonite Church and the Church of Christ. Excuse me, said the 50, but what's a church? (laughs) Okay, end of sermon. Give generously. The church needs it. We need you. We need each and every one of you. Amen.